faith that works. James is the half-brother to Jesus. He grew up with Jesus as his older brother. You think your older brother was perfect. Wow, he grows up with Jesus as his older brother, the perfect example. He doesn't buy into Christianity right away because Jesus is just too perfect. And finally, after the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, he goes, oh my gosh, he may be very much the son of God. And James becomes a follower of Jesus, becomes a leader in the church, and sits down and writes these short chapters, which is really one big letter, to the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad, an obvious word picture of the 12 tribes, the 12 corners or groupings of the Israelites, the Jews. The Jews were divided into 12 kind of states or counties, if you will. And, uh, and each one of those had Christians in them. So he's writing to the Christians who are Jewish Christians. So these, this letter of James is written not to a bunch of people who need Jesus, and we all need Jesus, but to people who already know what it means to trust Jesus. Okay? Now, if you don't know what it means to trust Jesus, James is not going to help you as much because it already makes the assumption written to the 12 tribes it's written to the believers this is inside information if you want to know what it means to trust jesus go to john chapter 3 and then stop up here at the front we'd be happy to give you information and help you make that process of embracing jesus in faith or stop at the kiosk they're happy to give you a bible or any other information but this is all insider information to people who are somewhat religious and jews are highly religious these are people who know their lineage but going back hundreds and hundreds of years when it comes to the faith. So if you walk into a room, you meet a guy or a gal, and she has been religious so for, say, 400 years, you know, and she doesn't look a day over 200. Uh, what is she like? Describe her to me, just with one-word answers. What do you get from this section over here? Silence. Good. And from this group right here? What? Cold? Old. Old. Not cold. What else? Wise, proud. What else? What else? You're not gonna. You're just. You're. You're frozen. Next week we're gonna sing that song, Frozen. Yes. Cold, mold, sold, bold. Yeah, I'm getting a theme here. Yes. First word starts with yeah. Okay, you're leaving me hanging right here all by myself. And soon I'm going to start uh, river dancing. And it's, it's not going to be pretty, trust me. What else do you think of when you think of a highly religious person? Self-righteous. What else? Pious. That's a great word. Pious. What else? Humble. What else? Judgment. What else? Annoying. Yeah. <laughs> That may tell you more about yourself than it does them, actually. Now that I think about it, <laughs> get away from me. Isn't it interesting, for every positive one, we had one that wasn't so positive, right? And when you say Christian and you're on the train riding into work, what do people immediately think? Get away. Judgmental, critical, homophobic, somehow stressed, overstressed, right? They think six-day little creation. Oh, my gosh, I'm one of those nuts. Uh huh. I got called to do a funeral last year. The, the first words, ah, uh, uh, are you a screamer? <laughs> what do you mean by that, buddy?
you know, I, I, got the, I got the impression that perhaps that that was their only experience. And if the only people they, if the only ministers they'd ever met were on TV, they're going to be sorely disappointed when they look at me. I don't have the $5,000 suit or the rug. This is my natural <laughs> hair color. But if that's all they know, that's all they know. Right? Right. Every day, you and I encounter all kinds of people, delightful people, difficult people, inspiring people. Some people are irritating, frustrating, fascinating, intimidating. The fact is, when you add Jesus to the mix, there ought to be some grace that comes into that life and make it somehow a more gracious person, a more truthful person, a more loving person, a more humble person. But because there's this old person struggling with the new man, the new one in Christ... Sometimes we get this conflicted nature. You ever feel that conflict in your own soul? Don't raise your hand. That's the conflict of the old and new in this struggle. And so we all need the wisdom that only God can give. We all need this. I'm not preaching to you today. I'm preaching to me. Hebrew, or, uh, James chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, their deeds done in humility that comes from Wisdom, there's our word, wisdom. Do you get this? This outlines itself. I don't even have to preach this. This absolutely outlines itself. Who's wise and understanding among you? He's asking the question wide open. He's, well, you'll know it. They don't even need to tell you. Why? Because you're going to see it by their good life, by their deeds done. And those deeds are done in humility. They aren't saying, hey, look at me, look at me. They're, they aren't pointing out their good stuff. And the reason they do that is because they're wise people. That's all from just one verse, folks how rich and how wonderful the word is to us. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, stop in the middle of that. But if you harbor, we all know what a harbor is. It's a safe haven for a boat in the midst of a storm. You pull them into the harbor, it's safe. The the water goes down, safe place to get on and off a boat. You don't want to get on and off a boat out in the middle of the sea where it's really rocking. You get to a harbor. And the safer harbors, it pulls it in. What, what happens, though, if, if you harbor, if you give safe haven to, now go back to the text, if you give a safe haven to bitter envy, you hold it in, kind of give it a safe place to stay, and selfish ambition, if you do that, do not boast about that. In other words, if you're giving amnesty to that, letting it have free rent in your head and in your heart, really that's what ongoing anger is. You're, you're angry about other people, you're giving them free rent space in your head. That's foolish when you think about it. Don't be... Don't be boastful about that or even deny the truth. How many of you live in denial most of the time? Me and three or four others. Okay. Yeah. Denial is a big place where most of us live parts of our lives. And it's not until you, oh my gosh, it's me. Then you see it. But you live in denial because you're trying just to get things done and get things happening. And in the midst of that, you don't realize the wheels on the bus are coming off. You're singing the song the wheels on the bus go round and round, but they aren't going round and round. They're going round, round, clang, clang, round. And we, we live in denial. So he says, don't boast about that or deny the truth, verse 15. Such wisdom, see that quote mark there? It's not real wisdom, it's foolishness. Does not come down from heaven. The source of real wisdom is from heaven. Get that down. But it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Circle those three words if you're in the right habit or just write them off to the side. We're going to talk about those in a minute. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, he's describing now this, you will have, you find every disorder and every evil practice, get that, every evil practice, if 
if it's stinking, lousy habits, they're going to be right there, rooted in this kind of foolish thinking. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest. What do they reap, class? They reap a what? A harvest. A harvest of righteousness. Have you ever planted a, a tomato plant and then, you know, I, I told you about mine where it wasn't really a tomato plant, it was like a tomato shrub, you know, because I, I can't really prune this. And then, and then I, I did this once one year with some romas. You know what Roma tomatoes are? They're the most beautiful tomato in the world because they make spaghetti sauce. And I know this is shocking to you, but I'm a fan of spaghetti. Look at me. Roma tomatoes can hide under the leaves. They're just they're an oblong tomato, and so you, you trim the shrubs all you want, and you, you get all, and then little flowers come. And then as you're pulling one tomato, what do you find? Two more. And then you, you, as you're picking those two, what do you do? You find four more, and all of a sudden, you, you have a bunch of tomatoes. You didn't see them initially. They were like hiding, and you're thinking, but they're bright red, I know, and they're still hiding. And you, that's the idea of you reap a harvest of righteousness. It's a whole bunch. So Lord, help us, we pray, to be people who are known for wisdom, understanding, embracing the truth and living out your principles and, and knowing because we know we are the people who harvest righteousness. It just seems to be in abundance around us, we pray, for your glory out of thanksgiving to Jesus in reverence and honor of your spirit, we pray. Amen. Okay, that false wisdom Go back to verse 15. Such wisdom, verse 15, does not come down from heaven. There's, the, there's the, the home of real wisdom is heaven. If you're taking notes, jot down to the side. Wisdom comes from heaven, comes from God. Okay? Foolishness comes from everywhere else. Okay? Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Boy, those are strong words. Let's take them, let's break this down a little bit more. It is, number one, earthly. Sometimes that word is translated in worldly or the idea of the world system. But here's what's happening today. Get, mark, me, mark this down. I can take a newspaper and I can show you how crazy society has gotten today where right is wrong and wrong is right and it is foolishness. It is very earthly Okay, I don't want to even go into illustrating it because the illustrations just won't, they're just crazy and will get you off track thinking about them. And you might even begin to think about justifying them. And that would be foolish. And then you would be arguing in your head and never get through the, the rest of the message. So just understand this. What the world system wants to do is to make wrong seem right and so they'll, they'll find a way to reason around it. That's where the second term comes in. It is not only earthly, it is unspiritual in that sense, Jude translates this word sensual. It makes me feel good. So you have a false kind of wisdom, but it makes me feel good. So it's okay. Does that make sense? And, and the Greek word for this, it, the in, uh, interesting thing is the ancient uh, Bible, which translates this from Greek manuscripts to Latin and then eventually to English, it is our word for um, it's, it, it We get our word psychology 
from the same term. It is unspiritual. In other words, it's of the mind. It's not just earthly, but it's of the mind, but it's a mental game. Have you ever played a mental game with someone and then they eventually they've tied you into mental knots? That's what this kind of wisdom does. It's somewhat circular in its thinking. There may be a mind-related way that this makes sense for the moment, but it is truly mind games to make it look like it's okay. And again, more illustrations than we could ever, ever imagine. You know, you, you hear it all the, all the time. I, I see it in advertisements. No, there'll be a day of no unwanted babies. And yet our, our murder rate is sky high, and yet we still have unwanted babies. And the issue is our own hearts, that we lack wisdom, because we are getting our wisdom here instead of there. See the difference? And we're never going to solve it just going this way. Never. And by the way, he's not speaking to people who are outside of Christ. He's speaking to Christians, religious Christians, who know the Bible. And we can still be fooled. But it gets worse. He says it is earthly, it is unspiritual, it is, verse 15, it is demonic. The root word here is, actually, it, it doesn't even translate. It just, it, it, it's a thing called transliteration. It's almost the same word. You see in the Greek the word demon. It is, it, and it's scary when you say demonic. And, and the, the type of word that's used here is it, it means it's proceeding from the devil. It's not just devilish. It's coming from the devil. So this kind of wisdom isn't like, oh, we have heavenly wisdom, and then we have all these nice, earthy kind of nice thoughts. No, these other thoughts, they're from the devil. And where you find that kind of selfish and envy, selfish ambition, you find every kind of disorder, verse 16, and every evil practice. And again, that's a description of society again. And again, he's writing this to Christians. Tough words. Um, you know, I was thinking about this while just working on the sermon, and it, it occurred to me, the people who built the Tower of Babel, the Old Testament story of the Tower of Babel, they thought it was a good idea at the time. They really did. Um, at the end, it was just, it was just confusion, conflict, and frustration, and failure. Um, the, the people who gave David, who was going to be king of Israel, when he was a young boy, he was going to go out and fight Goliath. Remember what they gave him? A suit of armor. Remember this? And he's like a size eight, and they give him like a size 16 suit of armor. They thought it was a good idea to protect him, at least try to protect him. It sidetracked him, put him off task, made him look like he, he didn't know what he was doing. It did not work. It was the wisdom of the disciples when Jesus was teaching the crowd, and, and the disciples said, hey, it's lunchtime, and we don't have the food. We better send them home, as if they could all go home and get lunch and come back. That wasn't going to happen. There were thousands of people in a remote area. That seemed to be the wisdom of the day. In fact, if you had taken a vote among the disciples, they would have voted disband. Tell them to go now. Be warmed and filled. You know? <laughs> yeah, okay, the, let the rioting ensue. You know, That's what would have happened. And instead, Jesus said, no, there's a better way. And the way of wisdom was this way of for them to be able to see that he really is the son of God. He'd been teaching, but now the epic moment of him taking five loaves and two fish and performing the miracle, which he did more than once. And our wisdom compared to this is just like foolishness. 
And it lands us with selfish ambition and disorder and every evil practice. And so, okay, you got that now. You say, okay, I really don't want that. So what do I want? Let's pick it up at verse 17. The wisdom that comes from heaven. Get this, this true wisdom, this true wisdom springs up from godly principles. Why? Because it comes from God. You ever thought about this before? Just God, if you were to talk to God, God, help me to tap into your knowledge and your wisdom. By the way, if you're taking notes, knowledge, nothing wrong with knowledge, okay? Having knowledge is good. Knowledge, though, comes from education. Do you get this? Okay? There are a lot of criminals in jail who are very smart criminals, right? They have a lot of knowledge, right? Knowledge cannot save them. I mean, and we think, oh, just more education will do it. And I'm all for education and schooling and all that. I'm all in favor of that. But what knowledge does, it, it comes from education. And it, knowledge, the Bible says, puffs up. Love builds up, Corinthians. But what we want here is more than just knowledge. We want the right use of knowledge. That's wisdom. So when you get knowledge, if you don't get that from God, you're going to use it poorly. So knowledge comes from education. Wisdom comes from God. Check the source and make sure that even all knowledge that you have, that it checks out with eternal truth and that I use it properly. Because number one, true wisdom springs from godly principles. First John chapter three, all of you who have this hope, you purify yourself. Why? Because he is pure. This kind of, of wisdom is gonna be solid gold. You go to the bank on this. And that's what we want. Now be our prayer at the end. And keeping that purity theme, it is, verse 17, first of all, pure, and then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. It, it has godly motives, this true wisdom. It is out for the best good, not my best good, but the best good for the glory of God, which ends up being the best good for everyone. So if you have any, if you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, Philippians chapter two, you take on the very end of that passage, verse five, take on the mindset of Christ. You want wisdom, then ask yourself, what would Jesus do in this situation? How would he turn this on its head? How would he approach this? This true wisdom springs from godly, uh, springs from godly principles. Secondly, it acts with godly motives. But thirdly, its intent, this is where it's huge, its intent is on serving godly purposes. It's not for my use anyway. The wisdom that God gives to me is ultimately for his glory. Now I know because he loves me, he's out for my good, so he's not gonna leave me abandoned, but ultimately I'm out to give him glory. So peacemakers who sow in peace, verse 18, reap a harvest of righteousness. Not a harvest of stuff for me, not a harvest of stuff for you, not more knowledge, not more snobbery, not more hoity-toity, not more irritation, you know, whatever that word is that we explained, that we gave when we talked about people who are historically religious. This kind of wisdom gives to us a godly kind of purpose. Peacemakers who sow in this kind of peace will rape a harvest of righteousness. Jesus put it this way, blessed are the peacemakers for they are called the children of God. And so 
in the same way, let your light shine before all, all the people so they see your good deeds. Not just your smart head, but they see your good deeds. Now, let me just give you some handles to this, because I know you wouldn't be here if you didn't want to be wise, you didn't want to follow Jesus. I mean, there are a lot of other things you'd rather be doing. So I have to believe you really want to follow the Lord and you really want to be wise. So let me give you some handles, just right from verses 17 and 18. These are really helpful to me. The wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, see it in verse 17, it's pure. So if I'm going to be wise, the conclusion I'm coming to is this. I will not com compromise your integrity. I, I will not put you out there. I'm going to be pure in my motives. It's going to be uncorrupted. I'm not going to swindle you, manipulate you, push you, drive you. All relationships are going to be built on trust if I'm wise. Okay? Because I don't want to put you in a place I don't want to be or send you or have to go get you. That would be unwise. So if I am going to be a person of integrity and pure in my motives, what does that look like? Well, it looks way different than society. Dr. Leonard Keeler is a man who invented the lie detector. He tested some 25,000 people and came to the conclusion that people basically are dishonest. I don't know if you've read the book, The Day America Told the Truth, but when you actually get inside the book, it is crazy how unhonest dishonest we are and people tend to grade themselves better than they really are so it may be even worse than the stats tell us uh, no one is good enough to keep online you're not that good you can't remember your stories the only way to remember what you said is to what tell the truth yeah so if i'm going to if i'm going to be a wise person number one i'm going to not compromise my integrity nor am i going to treat you with less integrity, see. Secondly, if I'm wise, I'm not going to manipulate your emotions. I'm not gonna drive you emotively. I'm gonna be peace-loving. See it in the text? Always fighting, always antagonizing. Proverbs tells us anybody can start a fight. I need to find the person who can end the fight, who can find the middle. I'll tell you how to start a fight. Always compare, you're just like so-and-so. Or always condemn, you're never gonna make it or always contradict, always interrupt, always cut off. And if you find yourself doing it, this is the time for that check. And you may be saying right now, he's talking right to me. <laughs> Trust me, I have better things to do, like talk to me, okay? Because I'm as guilty as anybody in the room on this stuff. I, I have my own work cut out for me on being a person of integrity and making sure that I'll not manipulate your emotions. You see, you don't want to have friendships that are just bouncing based upon your emotions and you can drive them. That's a very controlling nature. It's not fun, and those aren't friends. If I am wise, thirdly, I'll not minimize your feelings. It means we're to be considerate. You see it in the text. The wisdom that comes from heaven is pure, peace-loving, thirdly, considerate. It means you don't marginalize the other person's perspective. It means it, the perspective they have is the perspective they have. Have you ever been in a car with someone and, and, and uh, you'll say, I'm cold, and they say, no, you're not. <laughs> but yes, I am. But no, you're not. Well, I'm cold, but it's 78 in here. I just turned it up. I'm still cold. See, see what that does? just invalidates them. If they're cold, then... 
Okay, let's see what we can do to change the temper. You feel cold, so that's the, it's who you are. It's what you are. Nothing wrong with that. That just came to mind. It's never happened to me personally. <laughs> Work at being considerate. Work at being considerate. It, we all make the mistake of, of, of putting someone else's feelings down or marginalizing them or making them somehow less. But the reality is, those are their feelings. If they feel scared or they feel rushed or whatever, it, it may be true, it may not be. It doesn't matter. It's how they feel. And if you want an open relationship, you have to take that. That's exactly how they feel about it. And the Bible tells you, you have to be considerate. Um, they may be true, valid, or not valid. It may be something else, but you cannot minimize it. Have you ever played the game, my day was worse than yours? Anybody played this? Oh, I had a horrible day. That's nothing compared to my day. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, you're you know, helping with dinner. Or you're doing loading the dishwasher. It doesn't really matter what you're doing. You start out, ah, it, just keep, it just keeps escalating. Next thing you know, you know, you... It's I'm worse than you, game. It's just that way. Someone has to stop that. Gary Rosenberg in his, um, his book on Divorce Proof Your Marriage, he calls that the crazy cycle. So is Love and Respect, Gary Edgerich. Two great books. Uh, Love and, and Respect's a great book by Gary Edgerich. If you don't have it, he calls it the crazy cycle. And that's exactly what it is. And it's a cyclone. If you let that thing spin, my day was worse than yours. No, no, it wasn't. Is it? No, it wasn't. It's all of a sudden. How did the tornado go through the house? Well, it, it it started when I backed out of the driveway and hit a bike. It started the day. Went down from there. You see, the kind of wisdom that God offers to us stops that craziness. It doesn't manipulate emotions. It's peace loving. It's considerate. And the third thing it is is it. it I, if I'm wise, I will not shut you down. This one's huge. It's submission is the term. Literally, it's to be reasonable. It's to be easily entreated. It is a wise person who can be reasoned with. And, and this, folks, is not a husband, wife, or parent-child passage. In its context, it is Christian to Christian. It means there are moments, and I know I'm the head of my house and all that, you know, just Christ, the head of the church. I know all that. There are times, though, I need to stop. Guys, listen to me. And just listen. And, and submittively, just reasonably listen. And see, is there any reason, is there some reasonableness to what we're talking about? Otherwise, you shut down communication with people. And if that's what you want, that's what you'll get. Uh, if I am wise, I will not emphasize your mistakes. Why? Because wisdom is full of mercy and good fruit. If I'm always holding on to the past and waiting to shoot, that's not going to be wise. If we're always keeping score, then we're never going to be free to be love, to be fully loving. And, and it's different than accountability, like, hey, you need to be careful with that, or you're close to an edge here, or I don't think that's healthy. Those are okay things to say. But when you're always hounding at the other, then what happens is the relationship is built on negative behaviors 
and it never produces the joy of the positive ones. So you have to let it go. We'll sing that at the closing. Let it go, let it go, let it go. And then finally, I will not disguise my own baggage. In other words, you, you, you know what I'm saying? Well, I know your day was tough. Can I tell you just a few things about my day? And just, I know, but I'm not minimizing your day, but here's my day. Because if you don't do that, you will not be sincere. See, what the passage is saying is that wisdom is impartial and sincere. It's not going to play favorites. And I cannot just bury my own stuff. Uh, there's a reason that guys die younger than women, and oftentimes it's because we bury our own stuff. And we, we are not emotionally open enough. You need to find a way to do that that's healthy. Why? Because knowledge just comes from education, but wisdom comes from God, and this is our prayer. God, make us wise that we say the right thing, that we have the right posture, that we have the right attitude. It is the ongoing prayer, and we want education. We'll always look around, but when we want wisdom, we will look up because knowledge will always come from reason, and wisdom will always come from God, from God. Um, if you're taking notes, just um, a couple more passages here. Colossians chapter 2, I want you to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love, Colossians 2. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. You get this? It's Christ himself. And in him are hidden the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So if I, if I go after wisdom, guess what God will do? He'll throw in knowledge as an extra bonus. You can already get it. It's like getting free credit at the college. And that's exactly what Solomon asked for. The Lord said, anything you want. He said, oh, wisdom. Okay, just because of that, I'm going to give you wisdom, I'm going to give you knowledge, and uh, a few million dollars. Oh, <laughs> I'm glad I asked for wisdom. Godly kings, over all throughout the Old Testament, godly kings would constantly go to the Lord and say, I need help here. I need wisdom to make the right choices. Jesus was known as being full of wisdom. It was the prayer of the Apostle Paul to be filled with the knowledge of his will with all wisdom and spiritual understanding. It was, it was, it was Peter's prayer that he would know even how to speak. He just needed wisdom from God so he'd even know how to speak. And here's the good news. James chapter 1, verse 5. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him, tell me class, ask God. Okay, that's where we are. So we're going to ask God for wisdom as we leave this morning. Okay? Let's stand together for prayer. And let's bow our heads. And if you need Christ as Savior and Lord, if you've walked away from the Lord and you want to come back to him, I just encourage you at the close of the service, walk up to the front, to the left. Keith will be up there. We'd be happy to open the scriptures and walk you through what it means to be a Christ follower in faith or to renew your faith. Teach us your way, O oh God. Help us to walk in the path of wisdom. May we be listening like a father's to his son's instruction and pay attention and get wisdom like what the Proverbs say and get understanding and not forget the words that come from you. And Lord, may we be the people who grow and grow every day just like the kings of old, just like the writers of the scripture who knew we cannot do this. We don't have the capability. And so we come back to you again and again, asking you to fill us with your wisdom and you throw in knowledge 
and you throw in grace and you heap us on with hope and you give to us a new kind of energy and then you uh, bounce us out the door with joy and you give to us a sense of assurance because you let us know of your, of your identity and then our identity as children who are full of wisdom and knowledge. So we cannot lose when we ask for your wisdom. And you tell us, and we are so grateful, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God. And here we are asking, please, in our weakness, may we know your strength. And may the wisdom that you give to us, Lord, may we use it for a harvest of righteousness. We pray in Jesus' name, and the church resounds. Amen? Amen.